Welcome back to Sound Up Governance. Unless you're brand new to the Ground Up Governance platform, you already know that this whole thing is basically an equal creative partnership between me and Nate Schmold, who does all of the illustrations and other brilliant visual goodies. But you know what? As much work as Nate and I have done together over the past six or eight months, it recently occurred to me with some embarrassment that I don't really know anything about him besides the fact that he's a creative powerhouse who's amazing to work with. And that means you don't know anything about him either. So let's learn about Nate together. My name's Nate. That's, that's one of the most important parts of who I am. Even from a kid, I really loved video games pretty hardcore and always sort of wanted to be involved in video games when I grew up. And I remember one time when I was like, I think eight, seven or eight years old, wrote on the bottom of my parents' coffee table in pencil, if you're reading this, I hope you're a video game like maker or something like that. <laughs> Thinking that I would, it was like leaving a note for my future self to like stumble across it and be like, so I always remember having that, that note was always there on the bottom of my, uh, parents coffee table but then when I started going through school uh, there was this sense that I got from guidance counselors and teachers and stuff like that that to make video games you had to be good at math and I was horrible at math so in a weird way I kind of like let them talk me out of it but at the same time I knew that there was also like um, there was artists and you know there's art in video games and there's music in video games and I was really interested in that stuff as well so for the next, basically, yeah, like 20, 25 years, I'd kind of like spent working on my art, just like, you know, casually illustrating stuff and practicing like my style and that kind of thing. And then as well as working on music in high school, I started getting into electronic music production and hip hop music production, and then met up with some dudes in Calgary in the early 2000s where they were basically we started out there were I was selling beats to them and then they would produce sort of full hip hop songs and then we decided eventually that we would actually join up and form a crew called Audible Intelligence and that was sort of like a you know like we're like a band we would do shows together and did that for many years i think 2002 to about 2008 we were kind of heavily involved in the Calgary hip hop scene I was running a record label at the time, so we were, I was putting out that work plus other electronic musicians and hip-hop musicians from around the world, and I think ran the label from 2000 to 2013. I think in that time, we put out almost 75 albums mm -hmm. from artists around the world. And uh, yeah, kind of just rolled with that for many, many years. And then for work, I was doing uh, web design. I was working at a web design company. Um, started off as a designer, like doing, you know, like the actual Photoshop uh, work to establish what the look of the website was. Hmm. But in in like a web design project, once you sort of establish that look, you you basically hand it off to the programmers and then you now basically have nothing to do. You know, you're helping fix bugs and, you know, figure out anything that comes up. But ultimately, the, a lot of the heavy work is done. So in those times, I would actually sit with the programmer and was sort of learning how they're putting it all together as a website and did that for a few years and then decided, oh, you know, I could do this on my own as well as trying to make a go of the music stuff. So kind of left the company, started focusing more on trying to make some money with the music and 
yeah, kept that going until about 2008. And my wife and I decided that we would move from Calgary to Vancouver Island. Um, we had our son, he was born in 2009. So kind of split being dad and, and freelancing. And then it started to get pretty depressed around 2012 and 13 and had that that coffee table in the back of my mind with uh, the video game design and starting to wonder, you know, what I was doing with my life and just started messing around with game engines, basically. It's got to the point where if you want to make a video game, you don't necessarily have to know how to program anymore. There's a lot of like interfaces and engines are designed to kind of wrap up all the code in, you know, visual, like a visual language. So it's like the logic is like you have a block of something and you want it to do something so you can kind of like draw the path to what and set up what the blocks are doing. So I basically started just messing around with that. And then I think the late 2013, I had something that was like effectively a prototype of a game that I was feeling really passionate about and was loving working on. Like I couldn't stop thinking about it to the point where like I kind of stopped taking on new client work. Like I was keeping up with my existing stuff, but I was actively avoiding like new new customers because I did I was afraid of like how much time it would take away from being able to work on the game. So I was like burning through savings and, you know, maxing out credit cards and stuff to pay the bills. But I was like, at that point it would it was like I knew this is what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be making a video game. I'd kind of taken all these skills that I had, like with the art and the music and stuff that I've been building up my whole life. And it was all actually like coming together into one one product. So it felt like, oh my God, this is like what I should have been doing all along. And then in the process of working on that game, I had met Jason Kapalka, who is the guy who created Bejeweled. You know, he's co-founder of PopCap, which is, you know, a pretty epic, um, legendary uh, game studio. Found out that he was living in this tiny little Vancouver Island town that I was living in. Um, Just by some crazy, weird coincidence, it just so happened that we moved to a town that he lived in. We kind of met up for coffee and chatted about my game while it was while I was preparing to put it up on Kickstarter, and he was giving me advice and checking it out. And then we were kind of in touch, and I was doing some freelance stuff for him, like some graphic design work off and on, like just randomly. And then when I started getting close to actually shipping my game, he was like, "Well, when you ship it, if you would like a job, I'm starting up a new studio," and uh, basically offered me a job and. Once the game launched, I kind of transitioned into working for this new studio, Blue Wizard, which is kind of what I've been doing since 2015 or so. Just trying to lend my lend my insight in terms of like, you know, if there's a team working on a game and I'm not technically involved in it, but just lending insight on like game design and creative ideas that would help benefit, you know, doing one-on-ones with people to just get a vibe of like mm-hmm. how their, you know, actually how their work is going and there's like personal problems that need to be, you know, worked out or anything like that, as well as doing a lot of the sound design across projects. So anytime like sound effects were needed, I'd usually, you know, be the first one to put my hand up because like it's one of the things I love to do most and the sound and music aspect of things. Yeah, just recently we pitched some stuff to a new partner, which we can't really unfortunately say anything about because we're still under NDA and it hasn't been announced, but when it comes out, everyone will know, will recognize it. Yeah, this will be, it's a, it's like a good progression of sort of what we've done so far. And it's kind of like a, 
we, we've got together a much bigger team this time kind of working on this new project. It's like a sort of like the dream of what we've done to this point. It's kind of like the natural progression to like really step it up as like hardcore as we could. And uh, yeah, th- th- so we've got a new game that'll be coming out in this year in uh, on, on Halloween. As much as Nate's not a particularly governancey guest, he so has that unkillable entrepreneurial spirit that a lot of my previous guests have had. I mean, I can vouch for the fact that having a band often feels like having a startup that never scales up, where the fuel that keeps it going is a combination of ego, joy, and pure creative drive. And Nate brought that drive to the table within the first few minutes of us meeting each other. As you'll hear in a second, even talking about how we connected sparked some really useful ideas about the future of ground up governance. I mean, I don't know if, if I told you my journey that brought me to you specifically, but I was literally, I had this idea and it wasn't as specific as what ground up governance turned into. In fact, I think it sort of started like it might be a book. Well, it probably started uh, before it even was a book. I, I was just like, I don't know. I don't really care about the medium. I want it to be something, but I knew that I needed illustrations. And uh, and it wasn't even that I had a style in mind. It was that I knew that it that it that anything I had to say in the way I wanted to say it, it wouldn't have the impact without illustrations. And right. and so I was asking everybody. Like everybody, I would just have a meeting with random anyone, some CEO <laughs> I'd never met before. And she'd be like, hey, do you know any, any illustrators? And yeah. and some people said, yeah, maybe. And they, I would follow up and they would never introduce me to anyone. And, and Lisa, whom I've known for, I don't know, at least 10 years, uh, we were chatting and I said, do you know any illustrators? And she said, yes. There was the only person who gave me an unequivocal, yes, I do. I'm going to introduce you to Nate. The Lisa in question here is Lisa Oldridge, my guest from episode three. Lisa and I have known each other for a whole bunch of years, and I already trusted her judgment, but now I owe her big for connecting me with Nate. Lisa and Nate met in the Alt-MBA program, which is a super cool course started by Seth Godin and is basically exactly what its name promises it to be. Check it out if you've never heard of it. Anyway, thanks, Lisa. My recollection of our first conversation was it wasn't very long. Uh, I wasn't really sure how to explain anything to you. And, and we left, I did my best and <laughs> we, and we left it kind of at, why don't you just send me something, whatever yeah. it is that, that comes to mind after talking and we'll see if it's a something that resonates with me and b something that you don't hate doing. Yeah. And first thing you sent me was the boardroom illustration that's like <laughs> the main it's like the it's like almost the the theme of the whole yeah. platform. It was like beyond perfect, but I it, it, I have no idea if I'm remembering that right. That just feels like what how it happened. Yeah, for sure. That yeah, absolutely. I think in, I mean, you say you don't think we had a long conversation. It may, it may not have been very long, but I, I do. I think meeting you and and talking about what your mentality was on you know this topic and me coming in fresh, like I, you know, I was aware of uh, I was aware of these types of things and these concepts and stuff, but only like very tangentially. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> so 
like hearing your enthusiasm and and your vibe basically was very helpful because um i think yeah that conversation really set the stage on on kind of i felt confident in at least i felt like i could take a take a huge swing and at, at the very least if you weren't into it then you weren't into it and and then but i mean yeah i was yeah it was it was like such a cool it was a, such a cool thing to talk to you and then to show you that first sketch which is just like this ridiculous you know just silly little scene of like a of a boardroom how i being like an, a noob uh, you know, outsider would understand it and what I think might be like, you know, the kind of things that would, would be happening. And I think that vibe is definitely carried, carried on. Like, yeah, every, every time I, you know, I'm, I read through your, your work, your definition of, of what, what a certain term is all about. And then I'm just sort of like, I'm, it plants a bunch of seeds of like visuals in my mind of what it's actually like in the real world and like what, you know, what a problem might be or what it's like. And then, yeah, just trying to come up with like a silly way to, to show that off. It's, it's been so fun. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of absurdly, I mean, I'm, I'm trivializing both of our work, but it's kind of absurdly easy <laughs> um, in a way. And, and for any, assuming that I don't edit myself out of this recording, for anyone who's hearing me say this, pause for a second or or don't pause and go and look at that first drawing, that that boardroom drawing that's everywhere on the site, and like zoom in on all the faces and stuff because <laughs> you'll know immediately, especially any of you who've actually sat through a real board meeting, looking at all the characters and the faces and seeing the like you know the screaming guy on the table and all like you recognize <laughs> all of those vibes and it's not just because they're universal it's because you know you go through those feelings at every meeting that you attend and yeah. you know that that like monotonous screaming dude or you know like every part of it is both hilarious and surreal but also like ultra real at the same time uh grotesquely real <laughs> and, and so that but that's i think where the 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 vibe match happened so i'm curious i'm gonna put you on the spot because I, I nate knows this about me by now that i like I just can't stop coming up with new things, like more stuff than we could possibly do. And more, more, most of the stuff that I come up with is really dumb and it's not worth following. But I don't know about that. Well, I mean, you know, it's not good <laughs> it's, enough, I think. Um, some of it's good enough, but some of it, most of it. Anyway, so, you know, where we're at now, like, what do you, where do you want it to go? And I don't just mean like ground up governance, but like the stuff that we're learning together and the stuff that you're picking up from it. What, where could this go? Do you think? It's very easy to fall into a trap of kind of keeping up with, you know, keeping the, keeping the status quo of it and making sure that we've got like the bare, the bare minimum of content and stuff that we need to like to be rolling out and that kind of thing. But I think our past, even just the past couple of weeks, our conversations have been just really inspiring in terms of like new things that we could be trying. And I don't know how specific you, you want me to get, but I think there's been some, there's been some awesome ideas. I mean, we're talking about, um, we're talking about a comic. Oh, that'll be out by the time this is out. So oh, that we're, yeah, Potato yeah. Pat will, will have launched between the time we're recording and the time the, the episode comes out. So yeah, Potato Pat, I mean... That's that's a good I think a good experiment 
uh, and sort of a transition from where we're going with like the, you know, the blog content slash image, but maybe putting a little bit more, almost reversing it. So the image is the comic and that sort of gives really the sense of what the meat of what we're talking about. And then we can have some sort of supplemental stuff to talk about it. But uh, my dream would actually be have enough you know, time to do like an actual animation, like a little cartoon or something cool. of a similar type scene. Um, so having, you know, taking the comic and actually having a little actual voiced um, animation about it. I mean, going further, like doing stuff like apps, we've talked about game ideas. I think going in all on that, like would be pretty sweet. I think there's some pretty cool game concepts that would work as like training or like, you know, conversation starting material, like in a group setting, exposing them to new ideas. And I think that had thinking about that and like relating it to what our experience was in Alt MBA, mm. something like that would have been super valuable because as both like an icebreaker and like yeah. getting everyone outside of their shells and like brainstorming without any risk of, um, you know, no risk of judgment and stuff. Cause it's just like in the context of this game. So you're, you know, exploring these concepts or, or just throwing things out without worrying about how they're going to be perceived or whatever. Strangely, I don't know if this occurred to you. It probably has because this is like your life, but it never occurred to me, even talking about the games, it never occurred to me to like really mush together ground up governance and your video game life. Like that's, I'm thinking about that. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I didn't think I, about it until right this second. I think doing something that, you know, that's an app-based type thing or something that um, everyone's sort of able to either, yeah, for sure. Because there's like a million percent chance that we could come up with enough really absurd scenarios that are deeply rooted in real life that are also corporate governance related, but generically hilarious and enjoyable as an experience for a gamer rather than a boardroom. Right. You know what I mean? Like the, this yeah. world is full of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> right on. No, I mean, yeah, that is, that is something that is, has been percolating. I think since, I think especially since our last, our last conversations over the last couple of weeks, like the possibilities are, I think that would be like a cool progression to kind of take what we've done and or adapt it into adapt it into something that would be like a playable version of kind of what we're doing. The only other important thing is if you I mean maybe just sort of say what if anything you want to say about your art like describe what the stuff that you like to do and where people can find you and whatever. Sure. Yeah. So I guess, um, so I've got a website that, that showcases a lot of, a lot of my past work in terms of like personal projects and just sort of polished stuff that looks, you know, visually pleasing. Um, but you get a good, a good sense of what my style is and what my, you know, where I sort of lean and you'll see some similarities between what I'm doing with, uh, ground up governance as well as, you know, other, other stuff. But if you go to 3030.ca, it's basically my portfolio site for everything from, you know, I've got my illustration work is up there. I've got links to the games that I've worked on and then also links to various music projects and that kind of thing. I mean, ultimately I, the illustration stuff, I feel incredibly blessed to have met uh, Matt because it's, I get that a lot. (laughs) 
Well, it's <laughs> yeah, just enough said. No, but I mean, <laughs> it it wasn't until I had met you and talked to you that I realized that there, I had always sort of convinced myself that my work was too out there to be applied to specific things. Like I always thought, like, okay, I can do t-shirt graphics, or I could do you know skateboard graphics, or because it's you know I have a very cartoony kind of weird oddball off kilter kind of style, and it never really occurred to me that there would be a market for that for certain things. And I think, I mean, it certainly has its place. And I think meeting meeting you has that was one of our first things to talk about is like, you know, is, is this going to fit? Is this actually going to be something? And, you know, it was like a magical combination that it actually worked perfectly. It actually got me thinking that, you know, there are, there are other ways that my work could sort of supplement content or, um, you know, just bring a different flavor or, or a different vibe to it. So, I mean, I'm really looking forward to exploring that and, and sort of seeing, what other places that I might be able to apply like my style or my sense of just weirdness actually has like a value. And it's not sort of like a, a not seeing it as like a, a deterrent or like a, you know, like a negative anymore. Like, yeah, I'm just sort of keeping my eyes out for, for projects that I might be able to be involved in that, that would, could use like a sense of weird, you know, weird, silly, cartoony vibes. And then, yeah, I think, 3030.ca is is the best place to kind of see what I'm doing and and get a taste of all the different areas. And you know, for what it's worth, for anyone who does need who is inspired to to add some kind of illustrative flair to their thing and is interested in chatting with Nate, you're also like so fast and easy to work with and the <laughs> what's what's even better is the rare times where you come to me and this has only happened maybe i don't know twice or three times out of the 50 plus things that you've created yeah. you come to me and you're just like i don't know what to do here i always have some really dumb idea that <laughs> that you turn into something good so you're also good at extracting value from nothing which is really great well i think yeah i, I attribute that to the freelance the years the 10 years of doing web design um for people and you know getting getting feedback especially once it started to be me working with calgary clients and i was doing a lot of stuff over the phone or via email you get feedback on something where you present something. It's like, well, yeah, I think, you know, I like it, but I think it needs to be, you know, more, there's more pizzazz where you get like these weird, like abstract terms that don't really explain anything at all. Uh -huh. So I think through those conversations, I really learned to like kind of pick up on like reading between the lines and, or like figuring out like, what are they trying to get at? Or like, what, what are they valuing? And that, that has really helped because, yeah, like from everything, I think from communicating game ideas to people, having the sense of empathy of like understanding where they're coming from or where, you know, if we're talking specifically, specifically about us, like I'm half my job is trying to figure out where, where you're coming from and what you're trying to express. Uh -huh. And then, and then me sort of putting it in my like tumble dry cotton candy maker to try and figure out how to like turn it into something. But 
yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that ability that I have of like being able to pick up on, or at least hone in on what somebody is trying to go after. You know, it's, uh, you've probably experienced this. Have you done, have you done much recording in like professional studios? No. Okay. The, you, the, when you find engineers that are like great, cause every, every, or not every, but most engineers who work in real studios understand what gear is and understand how to deploy that gear to get nice sounds and whatever. Yeah. And they know how to operate the board and they know how to use pro tools and all that stuff. Um, but the, the ones who are great are the ones who do what you just described, which is, you know, some asshole musician is like, <laughs> I don't like that sound. I want it to be more purple. The engineer's yeah. like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'll right. get on that. And, yeah. and they get it and they do it and it makes a difference, right? Like that's the magic. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I saw a recent uh, meme on Facebook where it was like a joke about that, where like it was talking about like producer life where, yeah, I want to, I want to sound more purple. And there, the meme was basically like, you know, look how stupid people are when they don't understand what job we do. But then all I could think about in the, in, after reading that, it was like in support of, you know, the bullshit that an audio engineer has to go through. But for me, like, it was like, well, okay, well, let's figure out what purple means. Yeah, that's like, the I don't entire see what the problem job, is. right? Like, yeah, what, like, what do you think a job is? Just figure out what purple means. Yeah. Like, like, show them some alternatives. Like, is this more purple or is this more purple? Yeah, the, like, I'm with you. It's, uh, if for an engineer who finds that insufferable, they, they're the problem, right? Because yeah, that's their entire totally job. Agree. Yeah, you know, they, in fact, in most studios, the the main engineers have assistants to do all the other stuff. So it's the the, right. the engineer's job isn't actually to deploy gear; it's to decipher purple or whatever other nonsense <laughs> yeah. comes out of the musicians' <laughs> mouths, and then yell at the assistants to go and do the thing. You know? Right <laughs> to actually translate that. Yeah, I mean, I I think that is what I what I do at the studio a lot of times as well. Like my understanding of programming and my understanding of art allows me to actually be like a, you know, like a buffer, yeah. or like a translator between the two where the programmer might have no idea what an artist is thinking, but I can actually explain it in terms that they would understand. So I think that's, yeah, that's a super valuable thing. You basically somehow brought this back to actual corporate governance because the people, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Cause if I think about, uh, and we don't have to dive into this too deep, but if I think about a, an excellent board chair and, or an excellent CEO, they live in that space between operating a company and making decisions about the future of the company and then again, you're taking those decisions about the future and operationalizing them. And then you're taking the feedback from the operations and turning into decisions about the future. The translation right. between those two frames of mind is difficult, often done very poorly. And the skill that it takes to do that translation, I don't think is really valued where it should be. And I okay. think what you're describing is, just, is the substance of that skill. Right. It's, right. The, it's the person who has a sincere empathy and understanding for yeah. the art and the science, you know? Right. To basically, yeah, understand what both sides need or what, what both areas need and then actually figure out like a, a way to make that happen. And to empower them both, right? Right. Um, 
Yeah, so you just solved corporate big, governance. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> just the guy with the least experience. <laughs> no, man. It's it's been super educational and I like I think I've told you like every week um you know when I'm even when I'm just drawing the thing like it's just rolling through my mind how it applies to my work and the company and like you know it's just yeah it's just such good material I think. Well, thank it you. Take, it, it it takes two as they say. So now you know where the magic of ground up governance comes from. It's totally one of those greater than the sum of our parts situations or at least that's how it feels to me. Maybe if I was out of the picture, the Nate-only version of ground-up governance would be way better. But you're stuck with me. Ha 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 ha. Anyway, this has been a pretty small excerpt of a conversation that went in a ton of other non-governance directions. If any of you happen to be jonesing to dive deeper into the Nate Schmold rabbit hole, let me know and I can put together another episode. In the meantime, thanks as always for tuning in and thanks especially to Nate for being awesome. Send us an email or voice memo to soundup at groundupgovernance.com if you have any questions, complaints, video game pitches, or any ideas you want us to check out. Until next time.